Welcome to the Columbia Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're so excited to share this weekend's message with you from Dr. Jim Balkum, our senior pastor. We hope it encourages you, inspires you, and helps you grow in your faith as a whole life disciple. Now, enjoy the message. Hey, Columbia, listen, I'm, I'm really glad you're here today because uh, this is the last in this series of sermons where I'm going to be talking about our particular hidden superpowers as mediators. And uh, don't worry, the sermon series is not over and there's going to be more fun stuff. Like, like I'm going to talk about when we get these superpowers and how and, and where we use them and there's going to be lots more superhero fun. But this is the last of the superpowers that I'll talk about today and so I thought it would be a good time for me to show you just one more of my hidden mediator superpowers. Okay, so so this one is like, this is my favorite because this one is so much fun. But you got to pay really close attention because it, it's a tiny trick. You'll get what I mean in a minute. It's a tiny thing and, and you'll, if you blink, you, you'll miss this one. Okay, so hold on. Okay, all right. Decrease. Guys, guys, where'd Jim go? Where, Jim! Chris. Jim! Jim! Got Cyril, Cyril, where did he go? He was just here. Chris. Guys, <laughs> did it, anybody have a, anybody know where Jim is? Anybody have a lead on Jim? Where is he? Oh my gosh, I'm getting so tired of these superhero tricks and all this fun he thinks he's having. This is getting old. He can't see me at all. Shirt and he thinks he's somebody special. What's going on? Jim! Jim! C- Cyril, I'm, I'm just going to go backstage. I'm going to look. Maybe he slipped in the back. I don't know. Keep people entertained. Maybe play some music. Uh, somebody do something. I- I'll go check back here, all right? Increase. <laughs> oh, man. That was the best, right? It's the best. <laughs> okay, hold on. Chris! Chris, you looking for me? Chris! Wait. What, he's back? What, Jim, Jim, Jim. <laughs> oh my goodness. Chris! <laughs> what? Where hey, were you? I was right here. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right here. These superpower things are getting I, I was, a I, little tired. I was right here, Chris. I mean, listen, everybody out there can witness. I was actually hollering at you. <laughs> you couldn't hear me. It's so uh, good. Did you shrink? Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. 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 So, you like so, you think you're Ant-Man or something? Yeah. Well, no, oh, no. Not, Ant- not Ant-Man. No. A, a mediator. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes, this yes, is, yes, yes. This mediator. is a mediator yes, power. Yeah. Okay, okay. So it's not really shrinking. Okay. 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 It's not really getting small. That's what it looks like. Okay. It's decreasing. It's de- It's. Okay. I won't do it again. Okay. But <laughs> Please. It's, it's, it's decreasing. All right. All right. In, in order that, that I can increase because... All right, let me, let me show you. The superpower that I'm going to talk about today, the real one, the okay. one yeah, yeah. that the Holy Spirit endows us with is forgiveness. Oh, All right? that's a good one. Uh, it's a good one, but I don't think it's something people think of as a superpower because they don't really understand the force that it can be in the world. Yeah, okay? Well, okay. So, and here's the thing. In our culture today, I think we dramatically misunderstand forgiveness. Uh, even in the church, like, when I hear people preach on forgiveness, they act like this is something I'm doing for myself. You know, like I can unburden myself, which is true, yeah. right, right, of this resentment that I have, and, and I, I forgive for my own good, right? I don't think that's biblical, and I don't think that kind of forgiveness can change the world. I think it's just as self-centered 
as the resentment is. Okay. Okay, so, so listen, this is kind of the track I'm going to follow. We don't forgive to serve ourselves. But neither do we forgive to serve the other, though that's what we wind up doing. Okay. We forgive to serve God. Okay, we right, forgive in order to serve Jesus and perpetuate what God has started. And so I like to think about it like John the Baptist relative to Jesus. Let me show you. This is the coolest scripture. So I'm pretty sure you know this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, this scripture is found in John chapter 3, verse 30. Um, this is the King James Version because it's, it's the version of it I kind of like the best. So, so you know, when, when John comes to Jesus or Jesus comes to John and John says a number of things, you know, behold the Lamb of God, all that. But he, he also says he, meaning Christ, must increase and I must decrease. I must decrease. Nice. See, yeah, th- yeah. those things, they, they, they can't be untethered. Jesus can't increase unless... We decrease. Right. Yeah, that's right. powerful. And that's what happens in forgiveness. It's that we decrease in order that he might increase. The power of forgiveness isn't ours, it's his working in us. That's what makes it a mediator power. And that makes it different than what the world tends to talk about and call forgiveness, than the psychological quality of forgiveness. That's awesome. And so unburdening yourself then is the byproduct of... I call it the boomerang. The boomerang. The boomerang effect of serving Christ in forgiving is that we are unburdened. We're free. And so is the other person that we forgive. So we're serving the other person by serving Jesus. Yeah. And and we're we're really at the end of the day allowing God to increase us in Christ because we were willing to deny ourselves, because we were willing to decrease... And that makes it possible for us to forgive even when we don't think we can. Because it's not about what we think or feel. Again, we, we take ourselves out of the center. It's about what Jesus can do within us, okay? I look forward to it. I'm I, telling you, there's a lot of forgiveness needed in the world today. Oh, man. The people who ever. profess Christ and then um, harbor bitterness and speak bitterness and vileness uh, be, to people that they hate or that have offended them. Right. Right. So I look forward to hearing what you have to well, say. I mean, it's going to be good. So Chris, you know, and everybody else knows listening, when you, when you do forgive someone that you've held resentment against, there is an unburdening. There's an unshackling. Oh, there's a freedom. It's powerful. And you're like I am, I'm sure. I have been forgiven in some enormous ways, not just by God <laughs> for my yeah. sinfulness, but I've yeah. had humans yeah. be incredibly forgiving with me, and it's changed me. It's yeah. changed my life, right? So I think about in my, you know, you know this as well as I do, even though you haven't been married quite as long as I have. You can't be married. You can't stay married. You shouldn't get married if you can't forgive, forgive. each other. So I, Debbie's forgiven me so many times for most, so much stupidity. I just can't begin <laughs> to tell you. Yeah, and and I it, hear you. it molded me, right? And this is why. Forgiveness is the highest expression of love in a fallen world. Mm. Now, keep that in your head All and right. let, me, let me carry it forward and All right. deal Sounds with these good. folks Look now. forward to hearing it. Thank you. So, folks, you know that we've got these superpowers, and uh, we've always longed for these kinds of superpowers. But there is a hidden power within I want to talk to you about today, and it's the power not to hold resentment, not to be resentful. So this is Jesus' model. He modeled it so well. And in his own model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, right at the center of it is this piece of the prayer. We used a piece of that prayer last week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And the very next thing when God's kingdom come is this. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So at the very beginning, I want you to understand how closely linked God's forgiveness 
and our forgiveness is. I want you to see that this is something of a virtuous cycle, and I'm going to teach you all about this cycle and how it works and how we get caught up in it and how if we do our part to perpetuate this virtual cycle, that over time it will overtake the world. It just is so important that we right now as believers express the forgiveness that is in our hearts from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus to those around us. So when Jesus prayed this, he was praying something powerful, but he was also just speaking a truth, one we've got to understand again. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, the apostle Paul says it this way, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now note again the close connection between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. These are the same quantity. It's not like they're two different things. I think we think of this reflexively. God forgives us, and because we're so grateful, then we forgive others. Nope, it's the same forgiveness of God alive in us as mediators, the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. It is God's forgiveness and not our forgiveness on which all of this hinges. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 and 5, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Note how that sentence ends, how it ends. If it's not selfish, if love is real love in a fallen world is not selfish, if it doesn't dishonor others, if it's not easily angered, then the end result is It just simply keeps no record of wrongs. Now, it's that love alive in our lives. And I offer to you once again that forgiveness is the highest form of love that there is in a fallen world. If we lived in a perfect world, then forgiveness would be nothing more than a simple back and forth, right? It would be kindness exchanged for kindness, goodness exchanged for goodness. In fact, I guess there'd really be no need for forgiveness in in the deepest sense of the word. Forgiveness is what love looks like in a fallen world where we all blow it, where we all make mistakes, and where sometimes people make enormous mistakes. Forgiveness is the highest form, the highest expression of that love. It is, in fact, one of our greatest hidden powers within. Now, let's review a little bit from whence come these hidden powers. Why do we have them? Why have I been able to say through this whole sermon series that we are mediators, which is the word I'm using for priest? The Bible says that we are all priests, the priesthood of all believers, that we're all empowered. But what we're empowered to do, what a priest does, is to mediate Christ's presence, to mediate God's presence, to mediate the Holy Spirit's presence in a broken and fallen and sinful world, especially in cultures of unbelief. So these hidden powers are given to us as mediators. Again, Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 12, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light, live such good lives among the pagans, that though they may even accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And of course, this whole thing, our priesthood is sealed in the death of Jesus Christ, in our forgiveness 
forgiveness in him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5a, in between, in the New Living Translation, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. <clears throat> now, this is so important because we are detempled right now. As a church, we, we can't come and worship as we're accustomed to doing. And, and in fact, I think some people are saying, you know, I don't want to come watch what's happening now. I'll come back when we're doing it full on. Although I'll tell you, those have come, it's really kind of cool to have people in the room again. But we are detempled at the moment. And what that means is that we have the freedom to recognize the real temple that God is building through the Holy Spirit, that temple being the church that is made up of his people, and the church is the church wherever you go. Columbia is wherever you live. Columbia is wherever you work. Columbia is wherever you love your family, your home. Columbia is your neighborhood. Columbia is wherever you pray. So we're detempled, but in reality, what we're discovering is the real temple of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, all the fullness of God. So we require no human mediator. And you are a mediator, and I am a mediator, because God's love and power are immediate to us. So I've been reading Colossians 1.27, to us God has given to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I think many of you did revel in last week's message on hope. I got way more response to that one than I have to any other, and I just kind of wondered why. The response tended to go something like this. Man, this came at the right time. I'd hit a hopeless point. I had a hopeless week, and suddenly I got to Sunday, and, and I didn't even know how despairing I was. And then I came to recognize how self-serving that despair can be and how to anchor myself in the hope of eternity, how to anchor myself in the promises of God so that I might be pulled forward, not pushed, but pushed pulled forward by the love of God in me. Now, because we have this hope and because we have these hidden superpowers as mediators, we are mediators of Christ's presence in the world. Some of these powers I've recognized, and you could probably think of more, but these are the ones that came out in the scriptures I was using. Healing, peace, which I'm not going to preach about because I preached about it so much in the last series, but healing, peace, hope, which I dealt with last week, intercession, wisdom, and today I want to deal with forgiveness. And I'm going to give forgiveness two definitions today, and I'll tell you why in a moment, but I'm going to call it first sending it away sending it away, the power to send it away. Now, this word forgiveness in the English, it, it's a great word, but it can't capture the fullness and the real hope of the word that is translated forgiveness from the Greek. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. The first definition of that word is sending it away. It is pushing it away. 
You know, in the Old Testament system, there was a custom, if you will, once a year of sending the scapegoat out into the wilderness, carrying the sins of the people away from the people. And and that was a time not only of reconciliation with God, but a a time of reconciling with each other. I I bet many of you didn't realize there was a literal scapegoat, and that's how we got that term. Sometimes what we need to do is just to send something away. We can't forget it, perhaps. The resentment is so great or the sin has been so great that it is impossible for us just to pretend it's not there. But what we can do is distance ourselves from it. We decrease, if you will, and in so doing, we are able to push something away, to move it away. We hide away from it, if you will. And that is the first meaning of the word in the Greek. In this wise, we might take a look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 35. This is a really interesting and important scripture. Jesus said to his apostles, truly I tell you, listen carefully, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two or three of you on earth agree about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven." That's amazing. Now, I don't know if you realize just how amazing that really is. This is Jesus' key teaching on forgiveness. But we tend to gloss right over this passage to get to that which is more personal. And I'm going to tell you how we get there in a moment. But we tend to miss the point that the way Jesus got to his teaching on forgiveness was by speaking of God's forgiveness playing out through the church of Jesus Christ, which has been given this hidden power, this amazing power to actually offer God's forgiveness to others. That's when we say to people, We'd like to offer you forgiveness, and we do it in the name of God. We do it in the power of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The church of Jesus Christ has actually been given the power to mediate forgiveness to a lost and broken world. That's what Jesus was teaching about. He wanted his apostles to understand the temple he was about to build. He wanted them to understand the forgiveness that would come to the world through the church. James seems to have understood this well, the brother of Jesus. In chapter 5, verse 16, this clearly reflects the way they practiced with Jesus around. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. It produces wonderful results. So pay attention, if you will, that when we're priests to each other, (coughs) we are given power by God to forgive each other and even to forgive others. I'm going to tell you something. This is something most Christians have forgotten how to practice, but give it a try. Just try sometime when you're sitting with someone or you have in your presence someone who is so loaded down with sin and shame in such despair that they can barely move forward. And instead of saying, you know what, I bet God will forgive you, just offer them God's forgiveness in Jesus' name. Try it. Now listen, you're on good biblical ground. Jesus gave us the power to do this. I'll never forget sitting with a man who who had attended church a couple of times, but you know, he never could really find his way into the faith. I think he desperately wanted to, but he he couldn't. 
And he got closer and closer to me, and he started asking more and more questions. And one day he said, hey, can we have lunch together? And we did. This is just a few years ago, and we're sitting across the table to each other. And finally, I just said to him, tell me, what is the obstacle to you receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What is the obstacle to us praying right now that Christ would come into your heart? And he said, if you knew everything I had ever done, you'd recognize there's no possible way God could forgive me. I told him, that's not true. As far as the east is from the west, so far have our transgressions been removed from us, sent away from us. God has sent, he sends our sin away. And I said to him, look, this is the literal meaning of forgiveness in the New Testament, that God, God sends our sin so far away, he sees us and, and not the sin anymore. And it's all possible because of, of Jesus. I said to him, listen, Listen, God can forgive you. He said, I don't think he can. And I literally said, listen to me carefully. In the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, right here, right now, I forgive you. I forgive you in God's name for anything you've ever done. In the power of the cross, bathed in the blood of Jesus, I forgive you and invite you to move out of that past and to move forward into a bright future. It's a bit of a risky moment. Intuitively, I thought it was the right thing to say and to do. We're in the middle of a restaurant. People are all around us. This man just breaks down and begins weeping. He just starts to cry uncontrollably. And after that, we went outside. I prayed with him and he accepted Christ. And you were here for his baptism. That's the power we've been given to offer. Not just to say God can do it as though it were some ethereal fact. Because remember, the people who need forgiveness are not in touch with God right now. They can't sense his presence. They don't know about the power of the Holy Spirit yet. So you and I have been given the power to forgive in Jesus' name. Do you think that is a mediator superpower? Because I'm telling you, I do. We are modeling Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, what they have done. They do not understand. Now, here's the interesting thing. The apostles couldn't hear it any better than we could. Peter goes right to the personal after Jesus has just given this divine mediator superpower. So look carefully in Matthew 18 again, verse 20 and 21. Jesus said, so where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm with them. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Ugh! You're Jesus. Put yourself in Jesus' place. I just gave you the power to forgive in Jesus in my own name. I gave you the power to offer the forgiveness of God. That's what Jesus was teaching about. But Peter All he could think about was how hard it was for him to forgive. And so he pulled himself right back into the center, away from the mediator's superpower and toward his own personal need. Man, what kept Jesus from losing his mind (laughs) in that moment, I think, was that forgiveness of God through the church and forgiveness of individuals is closely linked in Scripture. It is one and the same thing for followers of Jesus Christ. And this is where I can show you the beautiful Greek word that is translated forgiveness. It is aphiomai. Aphiomai, which means to send away or to leave it alone. 
So the secondary definition I can give you is to leave it alone. Let it go. Let it wash off your back. In Matthew chapter 18, 22 through 25, uh, 35, Jesus is so patient with Simon Peter because instead of saying, dude, didn't you hear what I was just teaching you about the power I just gave you to offer God's forgiveness, he answers Peter. He says, I tell you, not seven times, like the Old Testament used to say, like the interpreters of the Old Testament used to say, but 77 times, and 77 here is a perfect couplet. It means as many times as it takes. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant, and as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him, and since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt, and at this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, canceled it completely, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all your debt, all your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now let me explain what Jesus was seeking to teach Peter. He wasn't actually saying that God was going to punish us because we are unforgiving. He was in essence saying that we stop the virtuous cycle of forgiveness that involves our own debt being paid as it comes back around and back around and back around. And when we stop the virtuous cycle, we make it impossible for God's forgiveness to continue to shine brightly in the world. God initiates forgiveness. He's the one who started it all in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the one who initiated this virtual cycle, but he makes us the ones who perpetuate it, who keep it going. The servant because he wouldn't forgive as he'd been forgiven, stopped the cycle. Clearly, he couldn't understand forgiveness, and therefore, it was impossible for him to actually receive it. Now, let's review what's happened here. Jesus is teaching on this superpower of forgiveness given to the church. You can forgive in God's name. Peter, he misunderstands. He can't even hear it. He makes it personal, puts himself in the center, which is the very thing we do when we resent and hang on to anger and won't forgive others. We keep ourselves in the center. And Peter brings to Jesus this need for a personal teaching on forgiveness. Jesus patiently teaches him, forgiveness is forgiveness, my brother. Forgiveness is forgiveness, my child. Forgiveness is perpetuated in our lives. It is perpetuated in the church. This virtuous cycle is one thing. It is the forgiveness of God alive and at work in mediators in the church so that it might be seen and known even by unbelievers in the world. 
To forgive then is to push personal offense away, offense away and determine to overlook it. And when the power of forgiveness comes to be and comes to pass and starts working with this power of forgiveness, you can change situations and you can change the world. In Ephesians 4, 31 through 5, 2, the Apostle Paul says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. See, forgiveness is the expression of kindness and compassion in a fallen world. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, forgiveness is a virtuous cycle initiated by God and perpetuated by mediators. Now, hear me again, what I said at the beginning, and see how Paul says in Ephesians it's true. What is the sign of love in a fallen world? What is the expression of love? It is forgiveness. In a fallen world where we are flawed people living among flawed people, love is dead unless we are offering God's forgiveness and unless we are receiving God's forgiveness. This is why it is impossible for you to say that you are filled with agape, God's self-giving love, unless you are filled with the forgiveness of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, forgiving others through you. This is why the church cannot be full of love unless the church is full of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the truest expression of love in a fallen world. Plain and simple. It's how we know we are truly loved because we are forgiven. It's how love works in a marriage. We forgive and we're forgiven. It's how love works in a family. We forgive and we are forgiven. It's how love works in a church. We forgive and we are forgiven. It's how it can work in the world. So let me show you, finally, this virtuous cycle of forgiveness. Please remember carefully how it works, because unless you get this, you will not get how forgiveness functions. Forgiveness begins with God. It begins with God. He's the one who initiates it. It belongs to him. It is his power alive in us. And the next step is that it carries into the power of the church so that the church is given the power to express God's forgiveness to a broken world. And from the church, it carries to the priests, to us, to the mediators. And then the mediators start to live out God's forgiveness alive within them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it travels through mediators out into their neighborhoods and into their homes and into their schools and into their workplaces and it carries from the mediators to the world and once it goes through the world people come to God now understanding God's forgiveness and more mediators are made and the whole cycle continues it goes around and around and around and around do you understand this you cannot know God's forgiveness unless you perpetuate this cycle you didn't start it but you can stop it from working in your life. God has given us the power to stop forgiveness from working on us and in us. And the reason we do this is because we're selfish. Because we believe that holding on to resentment is holding on to power. Or because we say the other person doesn't deserve forgiveness. And neither did we. We were helpless, Paul says in Romans, when Christ died for us. 
gave himself up for us. It's not about the other person. And it's not even about us. <laughs> when we forgive, it's not that we're serving ourselves and unburdening ourselves. We won't truly forgive if we're serving ourselves. And it's not that we're serving the other person either. It's not that either. It's not that they deserve it. We're not, we're not trying to serve them. When we forgive, we are serving God. Because agape, Christ's love, is alive and working within us. It's not our power to forgive. It's his alive in us. And that means, my friends, that we can forgive even when we didn't know we could. It is for us to continue to perpetuate this virtuous cycle of forgiveness until Jesus comes again and discovers that we have been involved in redeeming the world through it. You probably know about Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, truly a great man. Nelson Mandela, as many of you know, was the first active uh, elected African in, in South America, in South, uh, South Africa, rather. In South Africa, is, it is a, a predominantly black country. So he said this thing, sorry about leaving the arrows on there, but that reminds you of the virtuous cycle that I think is powerful. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Listen, Mandela had a lot of reason to hate. After seeking justice in his country, probably sometimes in the right way, sometimes not, he was imprisoned in 1964 and was not released until 1990. Most of that time he spent on Robbins Island. And Robin Island is like Alcatraz here. It's just a horrible place. It was a terrible place. And he existed within the confines of this tiny cell. He was tortured for a period of time. He was kept completely away from his family. It ruined his family. It ruined everything in his life. And when he was released, he could have been a very bitter man. But he was a follower of Jesus. And he believed that the right way for peace in his country was forgiveness. And he verbally and openly and powerfully forgave. 1994, he was elected. And instead of using the majority status that he had, many more black people in South America than white people, he started the reconciliation commissions and he started the process of sharing power, of sharing God's love, forgiveness changed this man, and forgiveness changed South Africa. It's not over yet. There are still battles to be won there. Forgiveness can change this nation, and forgiveness can change the world, but not the kind of self-serving forgiveness pop psychology talks about these days. The purpose of forgiving is not to unburden ourselves. We get that as a boomerang effect. The purpose of forgiving is not to serve others. That also is a part of the boomerang effect. Forgiveness is initiated by God, and it is the expression of God's power working in and through us and moving into a lost and broken world. Listen to me, friends, especially those of you who are holding on to something. You probably can't forgive, but God in you can. As a mediator, you have the hidden power of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit can do it in you. When you're weak, he's strongest. Allow him to forgive through you. Perpetuate the virtuous cycle of forgiveness that he began 
and be bathed in the most powerful of the expression of love there is in a fallen world. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Pray with me, would you? Father, first I thank you from the depths of my heart for forgiving us when we are unforgivable, when we're of no use to you at all, for teaching us that you, God, did not forgive in order to serve yourself or even to serve us. You did it because it was your nature, because it was the impulse of your creative activity, because it was love pure and true. So conform us to that love and to that power. Make us able to receive forgiveness fully and to offer it fully even when we feel it's undeserved, even when we think we can't. Lord, pull your Holy Spirit into our church. Pull your Holy Spirit into our hearts. Forgive through us and keep the cycle moving and make it larger and larger as we grow smaller and smaller so that Christ may increase as we decrease. And Father, if there's anyone listening to me today who needed to hear me say, God forgives you. God forgives you in Jesus, His death and His resurrection. Give them new lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You go ignite passion for Jesus Christ from Metro Washington to the world. I love you. I'm praying for you. I miss you. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Metro DC or Northern Virginia area, we would love to worship with you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about all the incredible things happening at Columbia, go to columbiabaptist.org. That's columbiabaptist.org.